our gracious King, we are very conscious that we can ask you to speak to us, but don't always want to listen. And when we listen, we expect you to say things that we'd like to hear. But we pray that you speak to us from the Bible, and we'd even ask you to humble us, tell us things that are difficult to hear, and help us to see a bigger picture of the Lord Jesus and your goodness to us through him. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child, his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Well, we stopped there for the minute and uh, the children are going to go out with Natalie to their little group. And uh, while they're going, I wonder if someone could uh, pass the bits of paper around. Uh, just a, a helpful way of maybe keeping track of where we're going as we study this part of the Bible. And 
you can scribble things that might help you to remember even more uh, on that piece of paper. So do pass it round and uh, we'll start when that's happened. Now, I guess the question is this, uh, that people uh, complain, don't they, that um, Christmas comes earlier and earlier to the shops and uh, there's always a good whinge. Except now we started, if you notice that first Christmas song we sang, uh, it was a Christmas carol, and we've started doing Christmas early with this part of the Bible as well. And you might say, why are we doing this? Well, there's one answer which says if you can't beat them. Uh, but the other answer is actually, we're not wanting to do shopping, we want to do uh, church, and we want to do not just uh, uh, the Christmas thing at Christmas time, but we want to follow not the dates of the calendar, but where things come in the Bible. And two weeks ago, as George said, we started Matthew's Gospel, and we started uh, Matthew's Gospel with a long list of names. And so the first thing that's worth knowing is that Christmas didn't start at Christmas. That long list of names in Matthew chapter 1 is to help us to see that actually Christmas started a long time before Christmas. Got to go all the way back to the time of Abraham if you want to understand the build-up. And so Christmas, if you like, is the end of the story, not the start of it. I don't know if you watched uh, Lord of the Rings, but uh, if you have read Lord of the Rings, you know there are three books that tell the story. And no point looking at the last book until you've got the story in the first two books. Then you can get the last book, which, interestingly, the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, trilogy is called The Return of the King. And we're going to Matthew, where you get the last stage started, and it's uh, the arrival of the king. But now that you've got your bearings in the Bible, and you know that we're at the end of the story rather than the start, let me tell you about Christmas. And let me tell you, that September is a good time to tell you about Christmas because it's a chance for us to look at Christmas away from all the trimmings of Christmas. It doesn't help, does it, when you've gone to a school carol service and you've had three kids acting the part of three wise men. It's all kids and it's, it's obviously pretend. And you just come into the whole thing thinking that story is unreal. It's that unreal, I can tell you, that I was a wise man once. <laughs> but Matthew wants to see that it's not the wise men or the other parts that are centre stage. No, God is the one who has got the main role. And in this, he's doing two things. He is bringing very sinful outsiders in through his very clear word. So if you want a simple sentence of what tonight's about, God's bringing sinful outsiders in through his clear word. Let's start with the sinful outsiders. And they don't look that sinful on the Christmas card, but uh, you start to uh, pick it out as you look closely at verse 1. It actually calls them wise men in verse 1. 
but the real word that Matthew uses is magi. And so that's very helpful for us to understand. It's where our English word magic comes from. So you begin to see that actually maybe uh, this is not all it's cracked out to be. Uh, they're from the East, and that is the important thing. Now, people play their guessing games. They say these came all the way from China because astrology was a big thing in China, and it took a long time for them to come, which is why uh, Herod wants to kill children under two. It took that long for them to get there. Other people say, and it's probably more likely, that they came like Paramahs from Persia. And uh, that could be the case. More probably, perhaps. But the main thing that Matthew wants to tell us is not to play those guessing games, but to just understand that they came from the East. Which, if you understand the Bible, is to tell you that they come from the sinful nations outside Israel. And when you look at that closely, you might just wonder whether they were that wise. Because the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And here are people who grow in countries, that are nations, that oppose the wisdom of God. And so these guys, well, they're stargazers. They're into astrology, they're into magic. They were effectively sorcerers, engaged in practices that were forbidden by God in the Old Testament. And yet Matthew wants to tell us that these are the first responders to Israel's king. It's people who are outside from the sinful nations that are going to be coming in to treat Israel's king as their king. And then, of course, they will be wise. And God, therefore, perhaps wanted, we want to take off that nice little picture and see that the wise men were more like that to get the flavour of it. And God uses the very thing that is forbidden, which is astrology, to bring them in. Again, I don't know uh, what uh, was going on. Uh, did they see a star and, and then look up their books and, oh yes, that star means that the king of Israel has been, just been born? Uh, who knows? Matthew doesn't tell us. But it might just explain why they head off to the capital city, Jerusalem, which is where they'd expect someone in the royal family uh, to be born. And we don't know the mechanics of all that took place, but we do know this much, that God can reach people with the things that they are familiar with when there's no Bible within reach to help them. And so many Muslims in Muslim countries say that they first begin to ask about Jesus because they once had a dream. Actually, a Hindu person uh, who uh, helped Debbie to become a Christian. He became a Christian when he had dreams and he went to a Christian he respected and asked for help. Actually, had dreams for two weeks and my friend kept saying, you've got to go to the Bible. 
And he said, no, you can keep the Bible, I've got my dreams. And two weeks later, the dream stopped, he got the Bible out and started reading and learning for himself. I've had stories told of a, a person playing with an Ouija board and uh, suddenly he got frightened out of his skin because the words the table spelt out, Jesus saves. Forbidden practices, but God can use them to bring people to himself. Just like watching stars is not the way to go about finding God. This is the one off and we'll see that in a minute. But it's just worth noticing the generosity of God. That he will use even things that he has banned that are familiar to bring people to himself. One, if you went around the room whether the reason why you became a Christian may not have started with the Bible might have started with something different and then the Bible is the explanation that you need so here are sinners using sinful methods and God brings them in we would normally go out to sorcerers to find our newest recruits but God brings in sorcerers and I think in that I asked myself how would I react if a weirdo sorcerer walked into our church? How would I react if someone who wasn't like me walked in through the door? I think that's an interesting thing, is it, to, to ask ourselves as we look at the strangeness of the people that God's bringing in here. I really think we're a welcoming church, but maybe we just like to work on people who are like us. What happens if a drunk came in? What happens if a homeless person comes in, stinking of we, and sitting next to you? What happens if a transgender man comes in, dressed as a woman? I remember a guy called Robert who came to Dagnapaya Church when I was there. Now, Robert was a very interesting case. He was bald, uh, he had uh, the most unsavory tattoos all over his head. His face was full of body piercings and uh, bits of uh, uh, metal. And he had uh, two horns uh, sticking out of his head, metal horns he had implanted in his scalp under his skin. And he walked into Dagenham Parish Church and it was a treat to wash the faces. <laughs> In fact, he walked in at Christmas time, so what was special a treat was to see him come up at communion. And as he came up uh, at uh, communion, uh, it was uh, interesting that uh, uh, a guy who was uh, from another party uh, trying to become the next MP of Dagenham uh, was there with his mother, because he was a single man and he brought her, and they were at the communion rail and Robert was there and then we were going this way and Robert took communion and then it was the prospective MP's mother who was next to him and she wouldn't take it because he'd taken the cup and she didn't want it. And it is interesting, isn't it, how we can love visitors but it is very easy for us to love people who are mainly like us. But in the process, we are at risk, I think, 
of saying to people, look, we love you, but you've got to uh, uh, clean yourselves up and then come back after you've made yourself a bit more presentable. And then we'll begin to like you and welcome you properly. But if that's what we think, I wonder if we might just uh, remember this story a bit longer and uh, remember there could be this person unattracted to us but maybe like the sorcerers in our story someone that God is leading to Jesus and we might want to remember this story to help us to see that he does that and to be as helpful as we can be okay so we want to basically see as I've missed out on all the things he uses strange guidance he welcomes uh, the, the, the strangest of people and then he takes them into the clear word of his Bible can I ask you if you're part of our church always to do a little bit of code breaking whenever you hear us talk about God's word immediately think to yourself are oh, they thinking about the Bible or the Bible calls itself scripture, same thing. And what verse 5 tells us, that although they had the star, they won't get any further without scripture. You can't find Jesus through stars or dreams. All you need to find out about Jesus is found here. And the Bible tells them where to go and find the place where Jesus is. It says that in verse five, is 6, uh, in Bethlehem, the land of Judah is by no means least among the rulers, because the ruler will come from there. And it is just uh, helpful to see that therefore uh, what they needed to help them on the next stage were the people who knew the Bible. And they, in the story, are there mentioned in verse 4. They assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, because those are the people who knew what the Bible said about Jesus and where they could find him. And notice when they all come together, and they're all there in the same room. They all come together and they all say the same thing. They don't say, well, depends on how you want to interpret, really. As some people say, well, you can go to Bethlehem. Other people say, you might just try somewhere else. And then we've got scholars who might suggest a third place. None of that. The only time you find that in the church today, when people say, well, you might say, the Bible might say this, or you might get the Bible to say that, it's usually because people who haven't read the Bible. Anyone who reads the Bible will tell you exactly what it says. The Bible is wonderfully clear. And therefore there is agreement. The minute anyone opens it and reads it. There's a lovely summary verse in the Bible that says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's interesting, isn't it? Because in Dagenham you see people saying, oh, if you want me to read a book, no chance. But here's the thing. The Bible tells us you may be the simplest person in this room. 
and you can be wise. Especially if you can keep awake, very nice. Um, so it is a, a, a thing that uh, uh, we uh, are wonderfully wise and have God's wisdom in front of us when we have his clear word. don't need to be a mega brain. Now, God does use stars, he does use dreams, and he will use them again in the coming verses straight after this, but it is the Bible that's going to take them to the place where Jesus can be found. And the incentive to go to the Bible is that actually when you find him, where the Bible tells us, there is massive joy. If you look at the verse 10, you see how the words are piled up to talk about uh, amazing joy. I tried to underline that when I read. They saw the sun, they rejoiced exceedingly. You think that that's good to be enough? You don't need to say anything more than that? No, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. While the commentaries said they were delir- deliriously happy. Uh, and that's interesting, isn't it? They didn't come from all that way and then go to this place and they find a house and they find a very poor family with uh, a poor child in it, like any other place that they might have visited. And they don't say, well, that was an anticlimax. Wish we hadn't bothered. No, they come because the Bible is so clear and it lands you in the place where you will experience great joy when you come to the Lord Jesus and find him. That's where the Bible is pointing. And again, notice in verse 11 how they're in a house they're not in a cattle shed because we're not at the time that Jesus was born. It could be up to two years later because if you see the cut-off point at which Herod wants the children killed, he found out from the wise men when the star had appeared. And then he's saying, okay, now you can aim at the children two years and under. So obviously uh, the child is now a little boy at maybe Eddie's age. And... It's uh, amazing that um, uh, the baby is not what the Christmas story tells you, but come away from Christmas in September and you can see it as it really is without the trimmings. It's not a baby. It doesn't say that there are three wise men. It could be many wise men, but they just brought three gifts. And they fall on their faces as before a king and they worship him as before a god. Those are the ingredients. Worship Jesus as king, you'll have joy on the one hand and a wonderful direction to your life in the other. And it's a textbook way to respond, isn't it? From these pagan sorcerers who come from the east and they're showing us what a great model it is for us to let the Bible lead us to Lord Jesus, where we can fall down in front of him as our king and worship him as our God and discover the joy of that uh, great relationship. And it certainly mentions that they have three gifts. Uh, Again, the Christmas story will tell you what each of those gifts are meant to represent. That gold is for kings and Frankincense is for priests and myrrh is for uh, a symbol of death. 
But Matthew doesn't tell any of, any of that. Those are just what people guess. Matthew just tells us that they brought those gifts. And perhaps what we are told here is that those gifts would have been a great timely arrival, wouldn't they? Wonderful provision from God, given that the family has got to leave that night and head off for Egypt. And uh, they'll have uh, a need for provision in that time. And so God brings them those gifts. Wonderful generosity of God. So, what can we learn from that and take home today? The first thing, if you're new to Christian things and the Bible, can I just give you a little picture of yourself? Uh, Maybe think of yourself a little bit like that. In other words, someone who is outside God's people, probably living outside God's will. And I don't know what brought you in to listen, uh, either here tonight or uh, on our website. Uh, might have been a dream, might have been wanting a, a baby baptised, uh, something that is normal and uh, familiar, and it's got you asking. But whatever the reason why the thought came into your head, understand that it is God's purpose for you to, through this, come to know his son and to know the real joy of falling in front of him as your king and as you worship him as your God. And he uses the Bible, this old Bible, to bring you that message of where you are to go to live your life. Just as the people in the story had to use the old prophecies to explain the present question, So wonderfully, you will hear his voice and respond to Jesus as your new king as you listen to the Bible. And part of that is to disobey the old king, which is what the wise men did with the new king that they had come to meet. Okay, so if you're new, these are good thoughts for you to take home. If you've always been part of the church, well then, I think our challenge is to see ourselves a bit like the Jews in Jerusalem. In other words, if you've been to church and knocked around in these circles a while, we've got the scriptures, we've got the privileges of knowledge, but the reality is that there are rank outsiders out there who want our God and our King more than we do. And that's the way God works to show that the people who think they are in their kingdom are actually out. And we are to uh, draw uh, um, people who give us uh, an opportunity to uh, follow their example as the people in Jerusalem, instead of being troubled, could have followed the example of the wise men to find their joy in Jesus as well, falling down in front of him worshipping him. And my friends, that is something that might be a, a word in season for some of us here who think we're Christians and frankly we just simply continue to ah, just go slowly in our plod-along world of religious habits 
and there's no ultimate falling before the king and worshipping him as our God in the everyday life outside of Sundays. And it's a challenge for us to humble ourselves uh, if we're part of the church scene and these things are true. But if you're a real believer, then may I suggest that you see yourselves not quite in the role of chief priests and scribes, but as people who can help other people find Jesus from the Bible. Now we might say that's a big ask because we're not as learned as people who are chief priests and scribes. Frankly, I think you know more now that you understand what the Bible tells you in full about the Lord Jesus. And in a world where God is drawing people towards him, you are an absolutely vital link in helping them to find Christ. So ask God this week for the opportunity to find and to help the most unlikely people to find Jesus and to follow him. Because if you know him from the Bible, you can help others and point the way as well. I'll stop there and I'd suggest that uh, you might like to spend one minute uh, talking to God by yourself. Uh, maybe some of these things have challenged you. And then after that minute, I'll pray. Let me pray. Our Father, we do want to thank you that what happened long ago speaks volumes to us in our day. Thank you that you make yourself known to people who are far from you. Thank you for using things that are familiar to us to help us to come to you. And help us, we pray now that we, as we come to you, to fall before Jesus as our King and to disregard the ruler of this world and please, as a church, would you give us his love for those who you bring in on our estate. Please would you help us to explain your word in helpful ways that lead them to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.